the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Tuesday, the 16th of November, as we welcome you into another edition of Lifeline. Craig Roberts keeping you company as, uh, well, we're doing all this week, aren't we? Jesse was off yesterday, and uh, hearty thanks to all of our Lifeline and KFAX listeners for uh, being a part of our efforts to try and do something significant for needy families this Thanksgiving in partnership with the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Uh, So far, I think we've raised enough to feed about 500 families, which is pretty spectacular, if you ask me. And uh, we're looking at, what does that work out to? Quick math, carry the two, minus the four. Let me take my shoes off, okay? I need extra. I'm counting above 10. I need my toes. Okay. And looks like we're right in the neighborhood of about 15,000 meals. That's what all that works out to. And uh, your support, wow. Really over-the-top, spectacular. Those of you that have called and given, uh, no matter the amount, God bless you for your efforts. And uh, for the rest, you heard about it, thought about it, prayed about it. Now time to do something about it. There's still time. And Nate is standing there in all enthusiasm, pen in hand, poised over paper. If you want to call tonight and give a gift to support the Bay Area Rescue Mission, we're okay with that. 888 uh, matching grant right now means that a $60 gift will provide meals for not one but two families, average family five, and that uh, will contain enough meals to feed them for several days at uh, approximately $2 a meal. So if you want to get in on that, you can go to kfax.com, click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner there, or call Nate at 888-367-5329. All right, let's get down to cases. It's always a concern when we see if not outright attempts by government authorities to try and stifle First Amendment rights, or at the very least to engage in behavior that has a chilling effect on same. Maybe not an outright ban on freedom of speech, but penalties for exercising it. Well, there's been a turnabout in Grants Pass, Oregon. We talked about the story when it first broke. Now let's get the news, the good news, from constitutional lawyer, founder, and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. And, Counselor, certainly some good news tonight. Tell us what happened. Oh, yes. Uh, Grants Pass School District there in Oregon uh, decided to fire two of its teachers who did nothing wrong in the classroom or even on school campus. Uh, what they did, though, is they expressed their personal opinion via their own private website on their own time off campus. They never even identified themselves as teaching at that particular school or school district. 
uh, they just express their policies uh, re- with regards to uh, respecting the conscience of teachers, not requiring them to, to uh, violate their conscience, and also uh, the policy of, of promoting uh, parental involvement and, in dealing with children with certain problems and issues. Very reasonable policies, actually. But this radical school district, Craig, just saw, uh, found out about it. Someone went and saw it on the Internet. So these they were suspended, and then they were fired. And we at Pacific Justice Institute, as you know, filed a lawsuit on their behalf. What's curious about this is that it was, as you point out, not done on company time, so to speak. This wasn't done on school systems during school time. Uh, this wasn't as if there was disparaging remarks made about the superintendent or a call to overthrow the government. Nothing of that sort, nothing nothing radical, just expressing concerns about policies related to gender dysphoria. And the reaction by the district wasn't to sit down and have a discussion, but rather to sit down, have a vote, and fire them. I understand, ironically, that um, in this case, Two of the individuals that were fired by the district have been rehired on the same four-to-three vote with one member of the board um, actually flipping sides from the original decision to fire them to now the decision to rehire them. And somehow time in court and the possibility of of significant financial pain can be a tremendous motivator to once again respecting First Amendment rights, apparently. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, the the, the fact here is is that this school district actually thought that they could force their teachers to be silent on their own private time uh, about anything that they disagreed with with regard to the, 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 the state, the school district, regarding uh, you know, uh, policies. Uh, you know, basically, their attitude was, if you work for the state, if you work for a public uh, school district, then you must be silent and agree and only say things in agreement with the school district. I mean, that was their ideology. And, you know, Craig, that may be fine for, you know, working for Castro Cuba's, uh, you know, government or or Communist China's government, where you have to, you know, be a part of the party and only say things to that agree with the, the government. But that's not the United States. People who work for the government do not shed their First Amendment rights. And uh, this is a great case. We got them We got them restored back at uh, Gray Hackey, our attorney, and our office here in Oregon did a great, has done a great job. But we're continuing with the litigation because they've been unemployed and harassed for several months, have their rights been violated. We want to make sure they receive full vindication and that this school district and others learn from this to not do this ever again. And this is really a pure example of constitutionally protected First Amendment rights. I know there's a lot of confusion out there. In the day and age, we hear a lot about cancel culture, and sometimes I think uh, it's more wishful thinking than based in reality in terms of the amount of control that a private party or a private company has over content that's controlled on their platform. But this is very different. This goes to the heart of the First Amendment. That very specifically states that government cannot infringe, and this is a clear case of government infringing. And to hear word that uh, uh, the pressure brought to bear has uh, has brought them to uh, swing back to a vote and uh, reinstitute these two teachers. Now, I'm curious, without getting into uh, divulging too much information here, um, they were terminated uh, back some time ago. This is on the heels of this uh, brouhaha coming about in March. 
beyond reinstating, is there any compensatory damages, any lost wages that they're going to be able to uh, capture back because of this clear-cut violation of their First Amendment rights? Well, yes, and that's one of the reasons we're continuing with this litigation. Uh, that's great for them to have their jobs back, but <laughs> that doesn't undo the harm done to them, and uh, including financially. And so we're going to make sure they're fully uh, restored and vindicated, and that's why we at Pacific Justice Institute are continuing with this litigation. Once again, like all of our lawsuits, completely without charge, and we have offices all across the United States now to do work for people just like them if, if the need arises. And let us be abundantly clear that teachers have and enjoy the same rights as the rest of us and any other private citizen to speak on matters of public concern. And um, for a, a district, which is a branch of government, to attempt to exercise authority that has a chilling effect, if not right, outright um, um, retaliatory behavior for the exercise of one's First Amendment rights, well, that's not going to be uh, looked upon very kindly by the courts. And as I suspect Grants Pass School District may discover, uh, it's not going to be very kind to the wallet as well. Brad Dake is constitutional lawyer with the Pacific Justice Institute. As always, we appreciate the time and the insights. Remind listeners during this season of giving as you're thinking about your uh, your end-of-year tax deductions, be mindful, as Brad points out, all the work that they do is all done pro bono. That means no cost to uh, to the individuals or organizations that they represent. But there are expenses involved, so if you want to consider thinking about including them in your end-of-year giving, then you can check them out online, pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. Our thanks for that update. Brad Dacus, constitutional lawyer, founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. 514, let's see, 514, we're a little bit early. Where should we go? Where? Should, oh, let's go to traffic, shall we? Let's take a look at what's going on. The road ahead on this Tuesday night from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. If you are a Social Security recipient, you probably did a double take when you opened your letter. Have they gone out yet? I think they've gone out, yes or maybe heard about it on the news, that you could anticipate a 5.9% COLA, that's a cost of living adjustment, come 2022. Pretty remarkable. When you consider the fact that it's been 13 years since we've seen a number anywhere near that amount, uh, I think it was about 5.8 at the time. This year it's going to be 5.9, so just a tenth of a percent difference between the two. And all of that, of course, if you've forgotten what happened in 19, uh, 2008, 2009, we were in the middle of the real estate derivatives debacle, and we saw the bottom fallout of real estate prices, and it was, you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth. And so um, in stepped the, the government responding to inflation, and Social Security recipients were given a pretty healthy raise. If you're a Social Security recipient and you occasionally still drive a car or go shopping, right, you want to do, have a little something to eat every now and then, you've also probably discovered that 5.9% seems paltry up against the increase of the price at the pump or what you're paying for food in the average grocery store. 
So what's behind all of this? Why are we seeing some of the highest inflationary rates in, my goodness, 30-something years? Well, to help us better understand what's going on and, quite frankly, what potentially may be many government missteps that, if not created the problem, certainly have exacerbated it, we've got our buddy Bob Zadek to join us. Now, typically I introduce Bob as one of the leading experts in the United States Constitution, the host of the longest-running libertarian talk show in the country, best-selling author, all those good things. You may not be aware that in addition to all of that, Bob is also an expert in commercial finance. He is both a lawyer and a CPA, and on this topic in particular, probably one of the best prepared minds to help us understand exactly what's going on with inflation. And the big question we're all wondering, how long will it last? Bob, as always, a privilege to have you join us. Craig, with that glowing introduction, I almost was going to hang up and pretend I had a bad connection, because I'll never live up to that billing you gave me, but I'll sure do my best. Uh, I'll try to do that. Thank you very much for that very generous introduction. I I believe, in fact, you you will not only meet but exceed expectations. Now, Bob, let's talk about this. We've been hearing the word inflation bantied about in the news media for quite some time. As I indicate, anyone who's been to the grocery store or the pump lately has seen a significant uptick. But all of this... All of this is not necessarily what it appears to be on the surface. And by that, I mean this, that a lot of people believe, and perhaps falsely so, that inflation is a result of a widening gap between supply and demand. We're hearing that, well, manufacturing was slowed because of COVID, and now that people are back to work and out and about, their demand for services and goods is back to normal, and yet the supply chain has not been able to to meet that demand. Now, my understanding is that is somewhat of a rickety uh, definition, if not altogether inaccurate, because at the end of the day, a lot of this inflation that we're experiencing really goes back to an issue of, of, of money supply, not necessarily a decrease in good supply. Is that accurate? It's 100% accurate, Craig. And it's a very, we start with a very simple principle, a principle that Everybody listening to this show um, will experience hourly in their lives. And that is uh, in the core relationship between supply and demand. If anything is plentiful and easy to acquire, it's inexpensive. We all know that. If something is scarce, and less available, it costs more, because more people want it than the it is, than the quantity of things that are there around. More people want it. Therefore, if I want it and you want it, and there's only enough for one of us to be satisfied, what happens? I go to the seller and I say, whatever Craig will pay you, I'll pay you $5 more, because I really want it. And Craig says, no, I really, really, triple really want it, and you offer more. What happens? To the seller, the price has gone up. He has the same commodity offering for sale, but because 
he can't satisfy everybody's demand, the people who want it more will pay more. And thus, the demand uh, for a product uh, influences and affects its price. Well, very obvious. We all know that from the first time we had a lemonade stand in the street. So we know that. That's it. We just know it. Now, what about money? Well, money is the same thing. You use the phrase money supply. The more money that's in there, the more money that's in the system, the bigger the supply. Therefore, the value goes down because it's easier to get. There's more of it. So when the Treasury, when the go- I'll just say the government, before we drill down too much between the Federal Reserve and the Treasury, the, the government, which is the only entity that, lawful, that creates lawful te- tender, when it uh, puts money into the economy, there's more of it, therefore a dollar is worth less, which means a dollar buys less, which means you need more dollars. To, to acquire what you tomorrow, what you used to acquire for less dollars today. It's all so darn simple. And if the government pulls money out of the economy, the reverse happens. So let's first of all acknowledge that inflation, that is the decreased value of a dollar, the purchasing power of a dollar, is a direct result of decisions made by our leaders in Washington. So it's a government, it's, there are other factors that make it more complex, but certainly we cannot argue with the, the most obvious explanation of monetary policy and what it means to us. Now, if inflation is happening, one could say, well, nobody ought to care because yes, the price of gasoline has gone up, but since the price of everything goes up, that means my salary will go up accordingly, or it'll take more dollars to buy an hour of my time. And that is true in the long run, but not in the short run. It is always lagging. It is easy for the price of gasoline to go up. A seller of gasoline just has to change the dial on the pump. It's kind of easy. It's much harder for you to go to go to visit your employer and say, okay, I would like a 2.16% increase starting tomorrow because to match the one the 2.16 increase in gasoline. Well, we know it doesn't happen that way. Getting a raise is an event that happens infrequently. It doesn't float with inflation. It doesn't just go up automatically. So the prices go up, respond much quicker to inflationary pressures than does the income part of it. So therefore, wage earners are always trying to catch up during inflationary times and that is what's happening now so until you do catch up which you never will the adverse effect on what things cost will be more immediate than the mitigating effect on what you earn ultimately you'll catch up 
you'll get a raise in seven months or whenever your salary is reviewed, and you'll be kind of caught up. But by that time, you will have caught up to inflation that was six months ago. You're always behind. So therefore, what have we concluded? We've concluded that the effect of inflation hits those people whose income is kind of fixed. Now, everybody's salary is fixed. It doesn't go up. It doesn't float with the prime rate. It doesn't go up with inflation. It's kind of fixed, except every once in a while it goes up. But until it goes up, it's fixed. Therefore, you're always behind the eight ball. Now, what does that really mean, and why does government tolerate it? Of course, inflation operates, if you're the government, exactly the way a tax increase operates, except you don't get voted out of office, as you would for a tax increase. So inflation is, if you're a politician, a painless tax increase. Why is it like a tax? Because when a government puts, how does the government put money into the marketplace? Well, primarily it does by, by borrowing. It borrows money, and, um, and money uh, goes into the marketplace, uh, which means the government, in effect, gets an immediate benefit to pay back later when the debt becomes due. So the government is borrowing against the future, and when it pays back the money that it borrows, it pays it back with dollars that are worth less. So the government, in effect, borrows 100 cents and pays back 98 cents. That's a good deal. Thus, government gets the benefit of the money, but not the, the, the ballot box detriment of being voted out as they would with a tax increase. So governments kind of, putting aside the voters, governments kind of benefit from inflation. They are the beneficiaries. That is why, uh, and it's a byproduct of government policy. So if you want to know what's causing inflation, it's not being caused by shortages. A shortage the so-called supply chain breakdown, that affects certain commodities, but not everything. When government's monetary policy causes inflation, it affects everything. Well, of course, the irony here, too, is that typically, and this is just good old-fashioned American uh, consumerism and capitalism, that when we see there is an increased demand for something, the smart business person, the smart entrepreneur says, gee, I'm looking at the lines going out the door from the hamburger stand on that corner. They can't meet the demand. I'm going to open one down the street, and I'm going to give people an alternative. And so typically, business is able to step in when it notices an uptick in demand and address it to meet that demand and therefore have a profit factor. But the other issue here, and I want to really unpack this um, when we come back after the break, and that is this notion that so much of this is being driven by the government, the injection of money into the system through stimulus money four times over maybe during the COVID period, the unemployment bonus, the Fed buying up bonds, quantitative easing version two, 
coupled with low, low prime rates. I think today I saw the lending rate for a mortgage at 3.25%. So what, what must be the bank's pain in the overnight? Half of that? Less than that? No. In fact, I think it's, uh, it's sitting at uh, 0 to 0.25 basis points. So money is cheap. Money is plentiful. Money is being, floated, uh, being flowed into the market at alarming rates. And guess where a lot of the responsibility of this sits? Squarely on the shoulders of the government, whose answer is, let's go spend more money. (laughs) We'll talk about why that's really bad policy and pretty bad when it comes to trying to, quote-unquote, control inflation, as our conversation with an expert in commercial finance, lawyer, CPA, syndicated talk show host, best-selling book author, Bob Zadek. Our conversation with Mr. Zadek continues right after we get you an update on traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. So while the Federal Reserve is largely responsible for setting monetary policy, and, and let me be quick to add, there's nothing federal about the Federal Reserve, meaning that it is not a branch of the government. While its chair may be appointed by the president, um, they basically operate independently. We're probably one of the few countries, maybe Bob can address this, probably one of the few countries that has no central bank. So we allow the, the Federal Reserve to set monetary policy. And during times of inflation, one of the tools that they have at their disposal is to deal with the issue of lending rates, the overnight lending rate. This is what banks pay to borrow money um, and make adjustments there. The problem, of course, is that we've seen almost a habitual, uh, you know, procedure or policy here since 2009 to maintain the lending rate so incredibly artificially low as to supercharge the amount of money that's in circulation, cheap money, more of it, that now puts the Fed in a very precarious position because one of the key tools that they typically, historically have at their disposal to help address some of these leading and lagging um, factors, well, essentially, they took it away from themselves. So, Bob Zadek, maybe you can touch on that point, address that point, along with this idea that how much of this is really artificially created by both government and Fed money policy? Well, artificial is an interesting word. Money is artificial. We have what's called fiat money. That is to say, um, we are required as a matter of law of if somebody wants to purchase something, we are required to accept in exchange dollars as legal tender. You must accept it. Now, what if you, so therefore, you are required to, if you will, put wealth or carry some of your wealth in the form of dollars, which means if the dollar is worth less tomorrow, it's like the government requiring you to buy a stock that because of government policy is going to go down in value. It's the same thing, because the money has no intrinsic value. 
It's not like gold itself, which can be made into jewelry or into uh, electronic gear or the like. Gold has a utilitarian value. Land has a utilitarian value. You can grow crops on it. You can rent it out. It has a utilitarian value. Money, the only value is when you accept coin or currency, when you accept money, you're doing so only on the assumption that somebody else tomorrow will accept the same dollar when you want to use that in payment. But if everybody decides that the dollar isn't worth much anymore, the music has stopped and you get no chair because there's no intrinsic value. Food, water has a value. You can eat it and drink it. Money has no value other than the hope that somebody else will accept it. And when people stop accepting it, the money is worth less, and we have inflation. And, Greg, when we talk about inflation, it is really important for our audience to understand that when the government adopts a policy that will predictably cause inflation to occur, money to be the same dollar to have less purchasing power tomorrow than it does today, when the government is doing that, it is doing, and it's a phrase we hear all the time, picking winners and losers. Let me explain. I choose to put my retirement money into security stocks, stocks issued by well-capitalized companies. Now, therefore, if I have my wealth in stocks, if inflation occurs, stocks would change value moment by moment. Stocks will automatically go up in value as inflation increases. Because if it's worth $1 in $2,021, and that dollar has less purchasing power, that same stock is going to be worth a dollar and 20 cents. So owning stocks is an automatic hedge against inflation. So I say to myself, insofar as my portfolio is concerned, I'm kind of immune from the ravages of inflation. But, but, what if I was a retiree? My income is in a pension, and often pensions are established in dollars. You get $5,000 a month, and that's not automatically pegged to inflation. So $5,000 a month in 2000 is worth less than $5,000 a month in 2021, which means there's a winner, Bob, and perhaps Craig, who own stocks, and there is a loser the pensioner who has a fixed income, or the pensioner who is living off bonds, where the interest you get paid is fixed. So the very fact of inflation hurts those people whose income is fixed or relatively fixed, and benefits, or at least doesn't hurt, those people who have assets or income that moves more directly with inflationary effect. So the government is beating the heck. 
financially speaking, out of those on a fixed income, Social Security and pensions. Now, yes, Craig, you started the show by mentioning Social Security is adjusted for cost of living. And yes, it is, but only partially, and it trails. It's adjusted once a year, which means you suffer 11 months of devaluing uh, Social Security, and then you catch up only to start again being behind the eight ball for the next 11 months till you catch up. And, of course, what's problematic there, too, that a lot of folks are not aware of is that the calculations, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think during the Obama administration, the calculations were changed to eliminate out of all of the the, um, categories that they look at when they factor in what inflation is going to look like. They have eliminated food and fuel from that list, which right now, as we're seeing, driving a lot of the inflationary uh, prices that we're, we're experiencing. So I, I guess if you're retired on a fixed income and don't eat or don't go anywhere, you're, you're probably <laughs> happy for the, the 5.9%. But as to the rest of us, you're in trouble. Therefore, so therefore, uh, what have we learned so far, even on the few minutes we've discussed it? We've learned that when you read about inflation taking place in the economy, you can tell whether you're a winner or a loser or relatively unaffected by it. You, so you will know that. And if you are a loser, it is the exact same thing as somebody imposed a 6% tax increase on you without your elected representatives even voting upon it. And you could say, there was, this is just a tax increase. And remember, oh, uh, President Biden said, I'm not going to raise the taxes on people making less than $400,000. But he didn't say... I'm not going to indirectly tax them by causing inflation to occur. And inflation, it's not, and the phrase inflation occurring is a phrase I try not to use, even though I just did. Why do I not use it? Because it sounds like it just happens, like a hurricane happens. No, inflation is predictable intentional and the result of conscious government policy it's like when a politician says well when he messes up he says well mistakes have happened errors were made not i made a mistake errors were made as if it was made by somebody in the ether inflation doesn't happen it is a government policy as conscious as a tax increase. And elected officials in the executive branch are directly responsible for inflation. They can't walk around as if they are victims like everybody else. No, they are the perpetrators. Well, and the other issue here at hand, and you've kind of touched on this, and maybe you can dive in a bit deeper when we come back after the break, and that is not only the notion that this is something that occurs, like turning on a light switch, But also this notion, and we've heard this phraseology used quite a bit, and I don't really recall 
past administrations uh, from moments of inflation during the Reagan years to even hyperinflation during the Carter years to ever suggest that this was a quote-unquote transitory event, suggesting that somehow, yeah, it happens, but it'll disappear really quickly. Uh, we're discovering in our conversation tonight with Bob Zadek, who, in addition to his background as an author and talk show host, uh, works in the commercial finance space. He's also, coincidentally, a lawyer and a certified public accountant, that this leading and lagging uh, aspect to money is, is suggestive that it, while inflation does not occur overnight but rather slowly creeps in, also, the easing of inflation does not occur overnight, but it slowly creeps back out again. So are we being sold a, good of, a bill of goods when the president says he's working hard on reducing inflation or that this is just something that is, quote, unquote, transitory? We'll get to that part of the equation. <laughs> Our visit with Bob Zadek continues. By the way, information on the web, bobzadek.com, B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K. His program, The Bob Zadek Show. Heard Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m. The answer, it is must-tune-in radio, The Bob Zadek Show. Right now, we take this time out. And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Bob Zadek with us tonight online at bobzadek.com, B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. We've been talking about inflation. We're all addressing it. We're all dealing with it. The president is promising that he's going to do something about it. But can he really? Bob Zadig has essentially already kind of answered the question related to how transitory is this really? Uh, the suggestion that this appears overnight and disappears overnight is uh, not supported by history whatsoever. And I would wonder, does history support the notion that there's much, if at all, that can be done by a president to try to address inflation? If so, you know, Jimmy Carter might have <laughs> had himself a second term if that were the case. Well, inflation... Um the president doesn't have a lot of tools in his or her toolbox to deal with inflation directly. Um, that's because um, inflation, um, it, the Federal Reserve, which basically manages monetary policy, is and has been since its establishment in 1913, um, on Jekyll Island in Georgia. A wonderful book on the history of the Fed is called The Devil of Jekyll Island, a scary title, uh, but apt, no doubt, uh, nevertheless. So the Federal Reserve is structurally independent of the president, although the president gets to appoint the chairman of the Federal Reserve, but once appointed, the chairman is supposed to act independently. So the president, other than persuasive powers, doesn't control monetary policy. Um, so the president doesn't have a lot of tools in the toolbox that can directly, by fiat, by executive order, if you will, the trajectory of inflation. And by the way, Craig, before we run out of time, there's another rather insidious byproduct of inflation. We have talked about increasing uh, price of things because the dollar is worth less. Well, in our economy, lots of businesses will use inflation 
as a cover to increase prices that they otherwise might have resistance to. So if you were selling a consumer good breakfast cereal, to pick one totally at random, uh, and you kind of would like to increase your bottom line profits, what better time to increase the cost of your product by four or five or six percent? Nobody would complain because they just assume it's a result of inflation. But in reality, it's just a question of you're making more profit on the same product. So are there some companies, Bob, that right now are doing that to kind of make up for the losses of 2020? Are because why wouldn't you? In fact, it's probably management malpractice not to. If you could increase your increase your selling price without being punished by consumers, you have to be crazy not to do it. But a consumer can't tell how much of the increased cost of gasoline is directly the result of inflation and how much is the decision made in the boardroom hey, let's use this as cover to make more profit. It's just, it's the way management ought to work. So we have that going on, which means the price of goods and services to some degree, not measurable, but it's real, is higher because of businesses using the cover of inflation to bury modest price increases. And remember, the cost of one or two percent of the product by a company has a profound effect in dollars on the bottom line. Oh my goodness, management looks like heroes. And all they've done is hide behind the cover of inflation compliments of the government. It's like using smoke to hide. You blow smoke and then you hide in the smoke and nobody can find you. Uh, So there you have it. Yet another detriment uh, of inflationary um, spirals in the country. Well, and the interesting thing is that I, I fear the current administration may be blowing a little bit of smoke trying to hide in, in all of that, but reality is catching up. And as we've learned from Bob Zadek today, printing more money, flooding more money into the system is not going to make inflation begin to disappear, but rather has the greater potentiality to just exacerbate a bad situation, making the bad even worse. Bob Zadek unpacks these issues and many more every Sunday morning on his syndicated talk show, The Bob Zadek Show, heard locally here in the San Francisco Bay Area on 860 AM, The Answer. We invite you to check that out. Details and resources available on the web at bobzadek.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K dot com. Six o'clock from KFAX as we thank Bob for his time. Let's uh, thank our friends over at the KFAX Traffic Center for this update on your Tuesday ride home. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.